Wow. Wow. How about that worship this morning? Are you kidding me? I mean, I got to be honest with you. <laughs> I had to kind of calm it down on that second song because I was like, man, I'm going to lose my voice. I'm hollering, buddy. I'm praising this morning. And the dancers, are you kidding? What a great job. We were just so blessed to have people in this church with talent. Uh, I thought about just kind of running out and saying, hey, we're done. We're good. Drop the mic. You know, this is, uh, this is pretty awesome. But uh, I am Ivan Collins. I'm here this morning to fill in for Pastor Andrew. You know, he was on vacation for a week, came back for a week. It's like, I need another break. You know, so he's, he's taking another break this Sunday, and we're going to give him that. Uh, I'm kidding, but that was, it was planned. As If you know Pastor Andrew, it was planned. You know, he's uh, actually, he's serving this morning in the Bridge Kids area. And uh, we're grateful for that, to give those folks a, a little break. And he wanted to get back there. All I can tell you is your kids are going to have a lot of fun and they're going to learn about Jesus too. But I will say this morning, he said something about a watermelon and, you know, breaking a watermelon. I don't know what he's going to be doing back there, so there's no telling. Uh, but I'm sure it will be good. And those kids are going to be learning about Jesus, the most important thing. So we are, I am so glad to be here this morning, guys. I tell you, I'm, I'm really excited about bringing you this message. <clears throat> and uh, this sermon series, Blessed, you know, we've been talking about being blessed or blessed are those and over the past several weeks, we've been talking about these Beatitudes. And this is that section of verses in the very beginning uh, of Matthew 5 that describes the Sermon on the Mount. This is where Jesus is getting ready to do his longest, most recorded, uh, longest recorded message uh, in the Bible, the Sermon on the Mount. And just to review a little bit about the, 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 the Beatitudes that, we're gonna be, that we've already talked about and what we're going to talk about this morning... The, the keep in mind that the word always starts, these verses always start with blessed or blessed are those. <clears throat> blessed are those who are poor in spirit. We covered that on the first Sunday. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Pastor Andy Stovall brought us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And last week, Pastor Andrew brought us. Blessed are those who are merciful for they will receive mercy. A quick point to mention here is that that word blessed, and I thought it was appropriate that we take a little time this morning just to talk about what that word blessed really means. The word blessed is describing really more, more than just that temporary feeling, that temporary sprinkling of favor from God when we do something uh, that he likes, right? I, I think we have a tendency to think of it that way. I think we think, oh, God blessed me. That light stayed green for me long enough to get through it. Blessing. You know, God drops a little blessing dust on us. It's much more than that. It's, it's, it's more than a temporary or circumstantial feeling of happiness. It really describes, that word blessed describes a, a really a state of well-being. A state that, of, of happiness, not that quick feel-good moment. And, and really describes a lifestyle of happiness and happiness that lasts. You know, we've been digging into these verses in Matthew, and as you know, as I mentioned, this is the, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and I want you guys to kind of get this picture in your mind. Jesus has already had his disciples, his closest followers had already been following at this point, and Jesus has already been performing miracles. He's been healing the sick. All of this has happened. So Jesus had his core group of disciples with him, and Jesus went up, and the scripture tells us he went up 
this hill, and they, they say that this happened on Capernaum, which overlooked this vast valley. And so he was in a high position on this hill. And, and I just want to paint this picture for you. As he, in the verses, it, as it starts to describe this, it says that Jesus went up to the hill and the disciples followed him. And as we get into verse 2, it says, And Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and then verse 3 goes into the Beatitudes. So this is the very, very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. I kind of feel like that this was Jesus sitting there and getting ready. And, and as we mentioned, I think Andrew mentioned in our first, uh, first message of this series that the Jewish folks at that time, the teachers of the law at that time, it was very common for them to sit, unlike today where you all are sitting. I thought we might try that. You guys all stand up, I'll sit down. No, I'm just kidding. But Jesus would sit down and his disciples would come close to him. And I just feel like, and there's no real uh, evidence in the Bible, but I get the impression that Jesus was telling his disciples, hey guys, lean in here, get this. I'm, get, I'm getting ready to, to deliver a huge message to a huge group of people, but I want you guys to really hear this. Lean in, lean in, I want you to hear this. And he gives, him, he gives them the Beatitudes and he starts to give them, blessed are those, Blessed are those. Blessed are those. And I really think that this summarizes that Sermon on the Mount. And I believe that it was directed right to his closest followers. <clears throat> but as we talk through this word blessing, and as we talk through what's blessed and what a, a blessed life looks like, I want us to remember it's not just describing that sprinkling, that little good feeling we get. It's much more than that. It actually... It's describing what comes out of us. It's actually describing what's already living inside of us, and it comes out. Andy Stanley has a great way of putting this, and in one of his sermons, he was talking this through, and he uses a great illustration um, with two cups colliding and stuff spilling out. But he said that emotions that spill out of us is not something that the outside causes us to react to. It's not something outside influence that causes that stuff to come out of us. It's already inside of us. The feelings, the emotions that we have deep down inside of us, they live there. Guess what? They're harbored there. You ever heard that term? Harbored bad feelings because they're living down inside. That's the, the emotions of, of jealousy, of anger, envy, all of those things. They live down in there. They're in our heart now. And what Andy was saying was it's just that's what comes out of those inopportune times. <laughs> when things get the best of us, that's our true colors start to show. That stuff bubbles up and spills out. Today, we're going to be talking about the eighth verse. Matthew 5, 8, and it's up there on the screen for us. But blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. For they shall see God. Pure in heart. I thought it would be appropriate that we take the pure in heart test. And I came up with this, but, uh, and we're going to have a little fun with it. But please do not answer this question out loud. Please do not answer this question out loud. I want you to think about this question. Think about this for a minute. If you were able to do anything, and I mean anything, or say anything with no consequences, no chance of getting caught, no way you could get caught. God doesn't care. He's going to give you a freebie on this. When you could do anything you want to do and not get caught, what would it be? 
Don't answer out loud again, please. Don't answer out loud. But that, I believe, is a true test of what our heart really is. What's deep down in that heart. The word pure, pure in heart, that word is a Greek word. The Greek word for pure is katharos. Katharos. It means to be clean, blameless, or unstained from guilt. That word was used 26 times in the, in the New Testament. And the literal translation of that word, that word would have been literally used to describe the burial cloth, the burial linens that Jesus' body were wrapped in. It would have, they would have been considered katharos. They would have been clean, pure. The term, as we use it in this verse, is meaning free from corrupt desire, from sin and guilt. You know, you think about, can we even have this pure heart? Is it even possible for us? Well, I went to Psalms, and Psalms 51.10, and I don't think this is in our notes, but David, you know King David, he messed up, right? We all know this story. David messed up. He messed up in a bad way. He, he, he had an affair with a, a Bathsheba, and he also killed her husband. I mean, he, he did a lot of stuff wrong. He was far from God in this moment. And in this psalm, David is pleading with God. In Psalm 51.10, David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. When I read that, I thought, wait a minute. That means that we can ask for it. That if it's not in us now, that we can go to God and ask him, God, please, this is a prayer we should all pray. Create in me. Create in me a clean heart. Oh, God, and, a renew, and renew a right spirit within me. Katharos, pure. I think this is a great way of putting it. I, I read this uh, commentary. William Barclay wrote this commentary on Matthew as representing and, and he's speaking about that pure heart, that pure standpoint. And he says it's the ideal state of mind of a person who longs to serve God and others. And here's the key point. For the sheer unselfish joy of honoring the creator and thus free from base motives. I love the way he puts that. It's, it's the ideal state of mind who long, of a person who longs to serve God and others for the sheer unselfish joy of honoring the creator. I mean, that is awesome. Billy Graham, I love what he said about pure in heart. He said, the pure in heart are really the only ones who can know what it means to be supremely happy. Their hearts are pure towards God and as a result, pure towards their fellow men. You know, we talked about this several weeks ago. We talked about how the world recognizes us when we're doing things, even right things, for the wrong reasons. Remember, we called that hypocrisy. And we want to rid that out of our lives. <clears throat> and for us to truly see God, which is that second half of the verse, believe that we need to be pure with all that, all that junk that's mixed in or docked or harbored in our heart. Simply put, guys, being pure in heart means that we're the same on the inside as we are on the outside. I mean, it, 
a simpler way of even putting it is it means that we don't say one thing and really mean another. That's the hypocrisy, pure in heart. Now, when I started studying on this, I thought, man, pure in heart, I keep having these two words kept coming to mind. I said, well, I'm going to wrap these in here to the message because I felt, I felt like these two words really do a good job of describing that a little further. And it says, I really think that the word, the first word that came to mind was intentional, intentionality. And then I thought, well, a better word for intentional really may be motive. What's our motive, right? That, that truly describes our innermost feeling. What's our motive? And is our motive pure? Because when it is, that's when God really pours into our lives. That's when the blessings start to come out of us. That's when true happiness really happens. The second word that, that came to mind, I couldn't get off my mind, was, was attitude. And I, when I mean attitude, I mean the spirit in which we're, we're living and the spirit in which we're acting out our motive, right? I really believe that we have to have both of those in place. and They both have to be pure in order for us to really have a pure heart. Both our motive and our attitudes really describe, I would say, the posture of our heart, the posture of our heart. I think one of the best examples of this is serving. What Pastor Andrew's doing this morning back there with the rich kids, right? When we serve, I mean, we've got to really inspect and, and, and articulate our actions and what we're doing. And we need to understand what our real true motive is. And I think if we're honest, at least I'm, if I'm honest with myself, many times that, that motive is really a selfish motive. And, and, and sometimes if we're really honest with ourselves, we're really wanting to be noticed. Look what I'm doing. Hey, good job, man. Great job. Good job. Pat on the back. If we're honest with ourselves, or, or maybe, maybe we are there for the right reason. Maybe, maybe it is, in fact, we are serving because we love people. And we just want to pour into them and we want to love on them a little bit. Maybe that's the case, but maybe we're doing it with the wrong spirit or the wrong attitude. Either one, if we're missing one of those, I think we have to question whether or not our heart is catharos or pure. I believe we have to have both. So today we're going to talk about how we, what does this look like, having a pure heart, and then we need to understand how to develop that pure heart. So first, what does it look like? The more I started digging into this, I thought, man, there's got to be an easier way of finding what this looks like. Give me some examples of a pure heart. <clears throat> and I kept coming to the fact that it's really all about our output. What we said earlier, it's something that comes out of us, naturally comes out of us. What is the output? And does that output, output reflect and prove beyond any doubt that whatever we're doing is aligned with God in God's heart, does that output, is it seen? Is it recognized? Is it recognized by unbelievers? People who don't even know who Jesus is think that this guy's loving. Why is he doing this? It's weird. Why? Even those non-believers, the output is evident. It's very evident. Not just to the ones who are sitting next to you this morning, but those who don't even know Christ. We should be able to see God. Remember, the second part of that verse is, Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought, well, man, maybe it's seeing God doesn't really represent necessarily the visual seeing, the visual 
picture of God, but maybe it's seeing God in everything we do. Everything we say, our output, what comes out of us, we're able to see God. And when we're able to see God, we become a mirror for others to see him as well. I want to keep us reminded of the fact that it's not that feeling of good feeling I get, the sprinkling of the blessings, but it's what comes out of us. It almost sounds like the fruit we produce. Have we heard that before? The fruit that we produce. Where would we find a list of, of, of good fruit to produce? If we turn to the Bible in Galatians 5.22, it's right there for us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and yes, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. i got to believe that's the output that we're supposed to have. That's what should be bubbling out of us. That's what should spill out of us naturally. Every action, every decision we make should run through this filter. Am I creating fruit? Is it out of love? Is it out of joy? Is it one of the fruits of the Spirit? What's coming out naturally? If you want to know if your heart is pure, that's how you do it. You run against what your output looks like. Are these words some that describe the actions of my heart? If the answer is missing any of those fruits of the Spirit, you may want to ask yourself, is my heart really pure at all? Are my motives and my attitude really self-serving or are they honoring to God. So you get the picture here, what, what it looks like, and we're not talking about that, that little feeling we get, the good feeling we get, but it's the thing that comes out of us, that natural response that comes out of us. So we know what it looks like. How do we develop this catharos life or this pure heart? <clears throat> a couple things here, three things we're going to talk about. The first one's so obvious that you're going to go, duh, I know that. But number one, God sees everything. Guess what? He already knows. I mean, it seems so intuitive, but think about it. We actually live our lives sometimes thinking, well, he won't notice this. Maybe if, I, if I'm not hanging around anybody when I do this, or maybe I'm thinking this, ah, he won't really, he's busy. God's awful busy. He doesn't have time to think. He knows. God already knows our heart. One of my favorite verses is in Hebrews 4.12, and it talks about the God's word is sharper than a double-edged sword. And I love that verse. But in verse 13, the following verse, it tells us right here very clearly, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God. Everything in the South, we say, is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one whom we are accountable. Remember last week, Pastor Andrew told us that someday they, we all will be held accountable. He knows. He already knows. Number two, this is where the meat is here. It doesn't happen on accidents, folks. It doesn't happen on accident. Guess what? It takes effort. It takes work in order for us to have a pure heart. Our, 
look guys, we are naturally bent or lean towards sin from birth. We're born into it. The life we live is naturally bent towards sin. I can tell you, when you start studying, you get tuned into the Word, God will start giving you plenty of opportunities to work on things that you need work on. Amen? This past week, I've really tried to be, or the past several weeks, I've been trying to, to be more intentional about my heart and asking myself, do I have a pure heart? Well, last night, yesterday afternoon, drove to Raleigh. I can tell you it was tested about 50 times on the way there with road rage, right? With all the people, it doesn't take long for us to really have to check ourselves and ask ourselves, is my heart really pure? And I failed on multiple levels here. But what I realized is even though my intentions are directing, maybe directed at doing a good thing, I'm intentionally trying to do a good thing. Sometimes my attitude the spirit in which I went about it is wrong, and it's not honoring to God. I will tell you, on the rare occasions that my wife and I get into a disagreement, the very rare occasions when that happens, <clears throat> she has said to me, and she said this a million times to me, and you guys finish the second half of this, it's not what you're saying, it's that was pretty weak. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. how you say it, right. Come on, I know you guys are right there with me. And if we're honest with ourselves, our desires to accomplish a task can drive us past the fruits of the Spirit. Do you guys follow that? You guys, you guys with me on that? Our desire to accomplish a task, our, our desire to get it done sometimes pushes past all of those fruits of the Spirit. <clears throat> For those of you that may not know me very well, I am a results-driven person. <clears throat> On the personality profile test, if you were to take a disc profile, I land a strong D for directing and driver. Uh, On the Enneagram test, I come in at solid, overwhelming eight which means challenger, okay? That's my personality profile. So I'm results-oriented. I know my wife has a hard time believing that. But I am a driver. I am a get-it-done kind of person. <clears throat> and you may say, hey, that sounds like a good thing. I, 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 I think that's a good thing to get it done, get things done. But I can tell you, sometimes getting things done, when we're not thinking about the people that we impact on the way to getting that job done. Sometimes we look past that to get the task accomplished. But how we get to those results, how we accomplish the task, guess what? It matters. It matters. I was listening to a podcast this week, and let me just say, the first part of knowing you have a problem, you know, is, is, is acknowledging you have a problem, and that's the first step to recovery. Well, this podcast happened to be on anger. Now, I'm not saying that I have a problem with anger. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, you know, I, I mean, I, I really like to call it really frustration. I have a problem with frustration, you know. Well, this podcast was great because the guy on the podcast says, yeah, I went to a, I had to go to a counselor, man. I was, I was just having anger issues. And the counselor says, man, you're angry. He says, man, you're angry. And he says, I'm not angry. <laughs> I'm not angry. I, I, I'm just frustrated. 
And the, and the counselor asked him, explain to me the difference. <laughs> what, is that? what is the difference? The podcast goes on to describe anger, and, and I, it was a really good podcast. But here's something to, to, to soak on for a little bit, to chew on this week. <clears throat> he said in this podcast, understanding that really anger is, is really, truly, when we boil it down, is simply me not getting what I want. Me not getting what I want is really what is causing the anger. It's not the outside entity. It could be a good thing that you're trying to accomplish, but by you not being able to accomplish that causes anger to spill out. So think about that. Next time you're getting ready to be angry, a matter of fact, he said in the podcast, if you want to diffuse an argument right off the bat, and if you're going at it hard and heavy with somebody, you just say, hey, time out a minute. You know what the real problem is here? is I'm not getting what I want. And the person you're arguing is going to go, what? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's exactly why you're angry. But when I realized that getting the job done at the cost of all of those around me sometimes is more damaging than actually accomplishing the job at hand. See, the output is coming from a place that's already existing down deep in my heart it's not a happy place. It's coming from anger, and it's spilling out. Like all the direction we get in the Bible, through God and through the Holy Spirit, we have to engage with a purpose. We have to paddle upstream. It's not easy. We have to be intentional about it. If we want it to be long-term, we've got to be intentional about it. So... Number one, God sees everything. Number two, it doesn't happen by accident. The third and final one is we've got to stay plugged in. And that means staying plugged in and prioritizing our relationship with God. There are several pieces here. And in order for us to stay in a consistent and constant relationship with God, we really need to look at our lives. And it really boils down to priority. We really boil it down. It boils down to priority. And priority in three areas. Activities, ambitions, and anxieties. Activities, ambitions, and anxieties. So I, I've given us five questions to, to work through. Get your phones out. Take pictures if you want. I can send you these uh, notes if you'd like to have them. Pastor Andrew, uh, just send him an, an email. And he, will, uh, he will get them to you. Uh, they should be online as well on the app. But here's five questions. We're going to go through these very quickly. But I want you guys to think through these questions to answer that question to, your, in, to yourself. And keep these in front of you. What are the most important activities that you do or that take priority in your daily life? What are the most important activities that take priority in your daily life? Second one is what, are, what is the first thing I think of when my feet hit the floor in the morning? After you go, man, I got to go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> That's usually the first thing for me. Like, oh, man, I got to go. Um, after that, what's the first thing you think of in the morning when your feet hit the floor? Number three, where do I invest my time, my talents, and my money? Where do I invest my time, talents, and money? That tells us a lot about where our heart is. Pastor Farrell used to say this. I love that if you want to know the man's heart, you look at his calendar and his checkbook. I'll tell you right where his heart's at. Number four, 
Am I concerned most about what God sees pouring out of me? Am I concerned most about what God sees pouring out of me? Or am I really more concerned about, man, what my wife, my coworker, my boss, my family? I'm really more concerned about what they see. Number five, last one. This goes to the anxiety piece. What worries me most? What worries me most? Am I worried about what God sees? Is that my number one worry? Or am I worried about trying to keep up with the Joneses? The Joneses aren't here this morning, but the Joneses. <clears throat> Matthew 6.25 gives us a description of this, and Jesus gives us what we should worry about. And he says it right here off the bat. It says, don't worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? I believe in order for us to develop this katharos, this pure heart, we can't keep doing what we've always done and wonder, why am I still struggling? Why do I have problems in relationships? Why do I have problems at work? If we continue doing the same thing we've always done and expect a different result, that's the definition of insanity itself. So, the three things we need to remember, God sees everything. He knows. It doesn't happen on accident. We've got to work at it. We need to be intentional. And number three, we really need to stay plugged in to a relationship that's priority. That's a priority relationship where everything we do honors God. Everything we do honors God. And that's how we really will see him. And you know what? When we're able to see him, stuff that flows out of us is going to look a whole lot different. It's going to look a whole lot different. It's going to start looking a lot like those fruits of the Spirit. It's going to be pure. I think a lot of us kind of look at that verse and think, I'm a pretty good person, you know. I'm, I'm pretty pure. My heart's pretty good. But I think we read the verse wrong. I think we sometimes, some of us read the verse, that blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see themselves. That changes everything. I mean, when you look at it in that that lens, it changes everything. And guess what? By the way, that's exactly what the enemy wants. The enemy doesn't have to push hard on us to sin and create and do all these bad things. The world wants us to live this way, self-absorbed, where our eyes are focused more on us than on him. We're pretty good at monitoring our behaviors, but what would it look like if we started monitoring our heart? I mean, we're good at monitoring behaviors, at least here on Sundays. We come in and we have this smile on our face. All is well. How you doing? Good. It's great. We're good at monitoring our behavior, but are we monitoring our heart Guys, God wants us to humble ourselves, to get off that high horse that we ride. He wants us to look towards him. Are we even trying to see him? Are we looking? We can't do that if our motives are self 
absorbed. We can't do that if we have a bad attitude or our spirit is wrong. When we take a minute to ask ourselves, is my heart pure? Am I doing whatever that is? What, no, regardless of what it is, am I doing it? Expecting that fruit, that output to be pure. I pray that you've received this message today and realize that life is really difficult. And the stuff we have in our lives and, the, and all the stuff that we pile on ourselves is difficult. And I pray that today is a day for you to put a stake in the ground, to drive that stake in the ground right now today and say, you know, moving forward, I'm going to start monitoring my heart. I'm going to start looking at things a little differently, and I'm not going to worry as much about my behavior, but I'm going to really worry and concern myself about my heart and what's harbored there because that's what's going to come out. Maybe it starts here today. Maybe you've been giving it some thought and you've heard all the reasons why you should, but today you feel a little bit differently and you say, you know what, I'm going to take a stand today. I'm going to drive that stake in the ground today. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with Christ. Today can be your day to start that relationship, but I promise you this, whether you know Jesus Christ as your Savior or not, following this teaching right here, the fruit that follows and it pours out of you will be a great thing. Whether you know Jesus as your Savior or not, I hope that you do. And if you don't, I hope that you will take the time today. We'll have people up here after the service to pray with you if that's something that you feel led to do. But most importantly, I want you to put that stake in the ground. I want you to drive that stake in the ground that says, today I'm going to start monitoring my heart. And what comes out of my heart, I want it to be pure. Guys, we want to be by your side. If this, today is the day for you to make that decision, I want to encourage you to do that. Um, we're not going to get weird or anything with you, but I do want you to tell somebody. I want you to share with someone today that you're, going to make, you're, you're making a, a point right now moving forward that you're going to start monitoring your heart. Take those questions and remember, guys, we've got to have the right attitude. We've got to have the right spirit. We've got to have the right motive. We want to have a pure heart. We want to have a pure katharos heart. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I, I pray that uh, your words were spoken here today, Lord. I just pray that, that, this fo that these folks here in the sound of my voice have, have, have made a decision today, Lord, that it's going to change their trajectory, Lord. I just pray that these words hit their heart and, and all of that burden and all of that junk that we've got docked at our heart right now, Lord. I ask that you just cut it free, that you just cut that stuff free from our heart. I, I pray that you will pr just push into us a clean heart. Today is the day, Lord. I just pray for your blessings for each and every person within the sound of my voice, that they would go from here a changed person. They would start monitoring their heart, Lord. And that pure heart that comes out, we're going to be able to see you and everything we do in hopes that others will see you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.